It's time for the show that scours the globe for news that interests you. We've scoured a few other planets, too. Didn't find much. Coming to you almost live from their command center just beneath the Earth's crust, here's Jeremy Bray and Wesley Faulkner with Global Geek News. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode 74 of the Global Geek News Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Uh, things today are going fairly well. No car hey. accidents today. Yeah, as I was say, they can't get much worse than the day you had yesterday with two car accidents. Yeah, I have a bout of unluckiness yesterday. Yeah, I don't... I don't know if I've ever seen someone quite that unlucky before. At least your second accident, accident didn't have any damage with it. Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, uh, as I, a clarify, make sure it's stated that neither were my fault. Yeah, I, I, I've had uh, once where mine was exactly like your second accident, where somebody was sitting at a light, wasn't paying attention, and just backed right up into me. But in my case, it didn't do any damage either. But... Anyway, also on the line tonight, we have one of my fellow student insiders, Miss Ashley Myers. How's it going, Ashley? It's going pretty good. I had an exciting day. I um, did an interview with the StoryCorps, a project that is often um, featured on NPR, though they say very few of the actual interviews they do end up there. <laughs> hmm, I don't think I've ever heard of them, but then again, I've never in my life listened to NPR before. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm someone who does listen to NPR quite a bit, but they have been documenting stories amongst um, basically conversations of Americans, um, and they said, oh, I, I don't know how many they've had, like 50,000 or something. And that's for the Library of Congress, right? Yeah, yeah, so I'll, I'll be officially, they said I get like a certificate, so I'm in the Library of Congress, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, isn't pretty much everybody in the Library of Congress now since they're archiving oh. all tweets? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've never listened to NPR before. I've got the NPR app on my iPod, but I've never taken the time to actually listen to them. Yeah, I love NPR. I'm an NPR nut. <laughs> I'm the one that, I'll be one of those people that are in the car and I'll stay in the car listening to the end of the story. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, usually if I'm listening to anything, it's podcasts, because i got so many podcasts that are hours long, two hours long, whatever, that those usually keep me busy almost all the time, that I never have time to listen listen to actual radio. Can I, can I name drop for a bit? Sure. <laughs> um, are you familiar with All Tech Considered? Yeah. Do you I'm... know Omar Gayaga? Sounds familiar. He does it on Mondays, and uh, he's a friend of mine. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm just right, name drop over. <laughs> yeah, I'm just excited when I know people in my hometown who work with our local station. <laughs> Not quite as big name. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I know much of anybody that's still in radio. I think I may have known one or two people that it 
at one time, but I don't think I know anybody that's still in radio. Well, actually, know. he's he's uh, for the Austin American Statesman. Uh, he just does uh, All Tech Considered uh, just on Mondays. Uh, but he, he has a column in the the paper here in Austin. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know I've heard of that before, but I, I, I know it's not something I've ever seen, and I know the guy's name doesn't sound familiar. But okay. Anyway, I heard you had a little bit of excitement or a nice, exciting trip last week, Ashley. How was that? Um, so last week I was in Washington, D.C. for Microsoft's Worldwide Partner Conference, and this is my second year attending. Uh, last year was the first year they had ever sent students. Um, so I was part of a group of four, and um, it was me, Aaron Donahue, um, who is what we call my, my forever roommate. She's worked with me for the Imagine Cup um, student developer competition. Um, past few years, um, but we were joined by Darren Doyle and Mihai Nadas. Um, Darren's from Ireland, and Mihai is Mihai, sorry, is from Romania. And so we were the first four, and we made such a splash that they invited. Um, I think ultimately there were sixteen of us from thirteen different countries, and we were representing the both the Imagine Cup, since many of us had participated in Imagine Cup as well as um, the Students to Business program, which um, really shortly is a program that um, has a lot, of oper- or a lot of resources for students. So students can sign up, um, post their resume or their CV, and then they get access to um, training on Microsoft technologies. And then the partners um, that Microsoft have um, sign up, and it's free service for both of us, um, and they have access to a big list of students who have skills that they need for their companies. Hmm. That sounds like something that's pretty neat. So it's kind of like a monster.com almost? Yeah. Um, the thing that I like most about it is they have these webcast series. And so last summer, they, so they basically are, they have a summer series and they have a fall series. And they have, um, or the way the sessions have been going is, half the time is spent on specific tech skills or introducing new technologies that Microsoft has out there. And the other half is spent on soft skills, like how to prepare for an interview or what to put in a resume, uh, how best to show the work that you've done on a school project. So it's, it's good stuff, I think. Hmm, sounds like something I should attend. <laughs> They're free to everyone. You just have to sign up students to business. Hmm. I'll have to make sure to Bing that and find that later on. <laughs> but how how was the conference overall? So some something that I thought was um, as I'm you know I'm a I'm a student so I'm not in in the partner community so much but something that was big news to me was um, Allison Watson who's for the past eight years has been the corporate vice president of the world worldwide partner group at Microsoft um, has switched jobs. Um, she's still corporate vice president, but now she's of the um, what they call the BMO, the Business Marketing Organization. Um, and John Roskill is the new corporate vice president. So that was like a big change, especially for partner communities who've, I mean, eight years is a pretty long time. Um, and so that was, I just learned, met, I actually met Allison very briefly at the um, 
WPC09 because I was part of a small feature um, called the Allison's A-List, which is now just the A-List, um, where they introduce new technologies or highlight different things that partners are doing. Um, so I thought that was something big. Um, the other thing, um, if you if you go to digitalwpc.com, they have all the keynotes up. Uh, currently only the first one's up. I'm not sure what's delaying the day two and day three keynotes. Um, but in day one, if you uh, watch the sort of the beginning part of it, they're definitely pushing the cloud this year. Um, Steve Ballmer said it's been something they've been kind of beginning to push for the past four years, but this is the year that they're like investing a ton of money and really getting it out there. And so they had um, World Cup was the very the day before the conference started. Um, Spain won, and they had this really awkward, hilarious video <laughs> where they were singing. Oh cloud, oh cloud, oh cloud, oh cloud. And I was late to the keynote and I just was walking through the halls and that's all I could hear in the halls. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> hmm. So yeah, they, they're definitely in your face. They are about cloud this year. Yeah, and I, that's one of the things highlighted in several of our stories today. What, How is the um, conference overall compared to something like a PDC? Is it real similar in format? Um. They, it's similar in the fact that they have a ton of sessions. Um, it's definitely more, I mean, there are a lot of very, very technical people there, but it is more for the business side of companies and how Microsoft envisions um, both, they, they share things like how they envision their software going forward in the business sense and also giving a lot of um, uh, opportunities to help their partners um, you know, make a profit with their technologies. And so they also do um, things with networking for business opportunities. They have this whole um, system when you sign up for the conference called Connect, and you can find people from your region or find people who do similar services as you um, and, and have meetings with them. Um, Is that connected with a C or with a K? Uh, that, yeah, this is the, that's the confusing part I realized at the conference. It's, it's the regular word, Connect. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that kind of made me laugh since they were, you know, one of the features was the, you know, connect for Xbox. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, personally, my favorite part of the conference is just going through the expo. I mean, I'm going through as a student and last year um, as a student who was looking for a job or internships this year, just coming from the student perspective, being, you know, student insider. And that's what I've been doing for the past few years, um, just meeting people and the um People who've been in the business for years. It's just, I think it's really fascinating having a bunch of different conversations. Hmm. That sounds like it was a fun conference to go to. I would have liked to have, maybe I'll go to that one next year or something like that. That sounds like something that would be right up my alley. Yeah, I, I had a blast. And especially um, since there were so many students, like, even, like, sort of, I mean, related to the conference, like, I met. I now know kids in like 14 different countries, which blows my mind. That part was a blast as well. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like I used to know a lot of people from places all over the world just because of like different gaming communities and stuff that I was in. But now I don't know much, hardly any people that are from anywhere else. I mean, there's a couple, but not very many. But anyway, um, speaking of connect might as well go ahead and jump right into our first story which is apparently 
Connect for the Xbox 360 is expected to be a cash cow for Microsoft, or at least according to an analyst. Yeah, this doesn't really seem based on anything uh, concrete, really. It's just this uh, analyst's opinion about the attachment rate and, of course, the expected price point of $149. Yeah, it's saying that it could generate a billion dollars for Microsoft in the first year, two billion overall for the whole industry, and that seems to be a bit much to me. I mean, I can they talk about his figures and how he kind of came up with that, but that seems to be a little bit much in my mind, considering it wasn't until last week that they said that Xbox Live as a whole is now making a billion dollars a year. Right. But so this is the the equivalent of launching a whole new console, basically, is what he's saying. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm still doubting that a lot of people are gonna buy the Connect at a 149 price point. I think if you make it 99, I think a lot of people would buy it. But 149 is still a little on the expensive side. But according to the the way he figures out his numbers, that he figures between like 15 and 25 percent of people that are currently Xbox 360 owners will buy the Connect within the first year, which should make Microsoft around $900 million worth of extra hardware revenue. And he believes that Microsoft will increase its overall hardware market share because of Connect, which should help generate about another $300 million by selling another million Xbox 360 units to people who didn't already have an Xbox 360. But they're getting it just because they want the Connect. And, I don't know, it seems like something like that would be a little bit harder to measure at this point. Because, I mean, a lot of people that are going to have an Xbox already have one. Right. And there's a lot of people now that they have an old Xbox, but now with a new one that's come out, I know a lot of people that are upgrading. So that that would be kind of hard to tell just how many people are really upgrading. Ashley, do you have an Xbox? No, I am not a gamer. I when I was growing up, my parents were like, "No games," but here you can have a computer. So I I did like you know silly computer gaming as younger. But I I mean I am I have to be honest. My favorite feature about Connect is the ability to go through your movies from your couch without a remote, <laughs> which I know is a goofy one, but I really. <laughs> well, um, are you looking to get a Windows Phone Seven? Uh, when it comes out? Um, that I'm waiting to see kind of some of the final features. I, they showed some stuff at the conference, but they said they're still holding some stuff, you know, for the actual launch. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of waiting to see at that point and then comparing, because I don't have a smartphone right now, but I do want one. Right. So, so I'm thinking I'm thinking that the Kinect could, if you've seen the interface for Windows Phone 7, it's like the Zune HD, yeah. And with the crossover between um, you know XNA and allowing uh, games on the phone and the Xbox, I'm guessing you should have similar kind of swipe type of games that you can play on the phone and on um, the Xbox using Connect. So with that combination, would that make it an attractive product for you to purchase? That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I'd be I'd be curious to play with it. Yeah. And at what price point would it be attractive? Oh, with the connect part? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so you mean not having an Xbox. And keep in mind, even the combination is probably going to be cheaper than any phone you're going to buy. Oh, well, yeah, that's point. I guess I hadn't really thought about it because I've just been waiting and waiting. I've been basically yeah. waiting two years for getting a cell phone or a nicer cell phone. So. Yeah, so it's a value proposition argument at this point. Like, is are is our gamers, non-gamers, is it going to attract multiple users? Uh, with Hulu, with Netflix, with all that entertainment integration, um, that might be something in which it is an attractive uh, offer, uh, depending on the price point it comes out. But uh, who knows? But uh, I know that I am tempted to get one. I don't have an Xbox, and um, I'm not much of a gamer, but um, I do want to use it as a media extender and um, as a an expensive Roku, if you will. Yeah, with my Xbox, I don't usually use it too much for um, playing the stuff that I have over my network. Usually, everything that if I want, if I have it on my server or whatever that I want to stream to a console, I do that with my PS3. But whenever it comes to like watching Netflix and stuff, I do that with my 360. It, it seems to do pretty good on that. I haven't. I know I've got the disc around here somewhere. I haven't tried it for the PS3 or the Wii yet, but for Streaming things like Netflix or just buying things off of the Zoom marketplace, the Xbox 360 is really nice to have. Yeah, my family's used it for that a lot because my brother, my brother does have an Xbox 360, but we'll steal it from Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I doubt that we'll see lines for Connect when it comes out. Yeah, I don't know. I I would probably stand in line for that if I wasn't somebody who would just buy it off of Amazon first. <laughs> right. Well, I, I'm guessing what I'm saying is there's going to be plenty of supply. There's not going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, hopefully there will be plenty of supply, but I don't know. If, I'm, I'm hoping they don't take the Nintendo style of marketing and only put out so many units and create an artificial shortage just so you can get the extra press. But usually Microsoft doesn't seem to be too bad about doing that, so hopefully that won't be the case. But speaking of a lot of demand... Despite yeah. the huge amount of demand for 1 versus 100, Microsoft killed it anyway. Yeah, this is sad. I know a lot of people are mourning the service and loved it. Once again, I don't have an Xbox 360, but um, my friends who do uh, continually talk about 1 versus 100. Yeah, I, I love vers 1 versus 100. I would play every live show once in a while. I'd, I'd do the extended play not very often. Um, it it was a lot of fun, especially being in the studio and actually being on the show. That was definitely one of the highlights of my life. But yeah, I, I was really surprised to see this go because I know back in April when I was paying a little bit more attention to the One Versus One Hundred blog, they were looking for um, some questions for the community for in the gameplay, and there was like no news at all. After that, and then just on Friday, they came out saying, yeah, it's basically dead. Everybody's moved on to other projects. And Oh, and uh, for those who don't know, the person who does the intro for our show is the host of One Versus 100, or was the host. Yes, Chris Cashman. He is the one who does our intro. He was the host of the One Versus 100 live shows. And hopefully, maybe I can 
get him on just for a short interview, maybe sometime this week and post it up sometime this week or next week, just kind of about one versus 100, his experience with it, why it died, that kind of thing. It's been a while since I've talked to him, but I do try and keep in touch every once in a while. But yeah, Since you don't have a 360, did you ever get much of a chance to play this, Ashley? No, other than that when we were in the booth, which was a ton of fun <laughs> hanging with that crew. Um, I never did play it. Yeah, that was... For many months there, that was pretty much the only reason I ever turned on my Xbox. Just because my Xbox is very noisy and everything, so I don't mess with it too much unless I'm wanting to watch a movie or something like that. But for a lo- for the longest time, that was about my only reason for turning on my Xbox. Just, I don't know, I've always been a big trivia person, so that a show like that always had a lot of appeal to me. So I'm hoping, since they're saying they're on other projects, that they're maybe going to do something similar. Yep, R.I.P., 1 versus 100. Yeah, sad to see it go. That, that was, the time in the studio was a lot of fun. Too bad I won't ever get that opportunity again from the looks of it. Anyway, speaking of Microsoft stuff, apparently they've decided to keep Windows XP around until 2014, at least. Yeah, the opposite of things that die easily is things that won't ever die, which is Windows XP. Yeah, I I would like to see XP go away very soon, but... Since 74% of businesses are still using XP, I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's probably going to be uh, skeleton crew manning support, uh, but it's one of those safety nets that uh, businesses are going to rely on uh, in the future because they're still going to have deployments. Um, but uh, I'm guessing... Uh, when we, we the people who are that do have XP rolled out that have the pro- proprietary systems, um, they'll eventually move to virtualized XP uh, built into Windows Seven. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to try the virtualized XP stuff. I'm told it's really good. It basically just makes whatever app you're trying to run just like XP. So one of these days I'll get around to trying it, but I haven't found anything so far that doesn't work on Windows Seven. But apparently, Windows 7 Ultimate users are going to have the option to downgrade to XP until 2015. But people who use Windows 7 Professional are going to get the be able to downgrade the entire life cycle of Windows 7, which ends January of 2020. So Windows XP will be around for a long time. I'm kind of surprised that they would continue to do patches on it for another. 10 years for people that wanted to wait until January 2020, especially after they ended support last week for XP Service Pack 2 and Vista, and Vista Service Pack 1. Or no, just plain vanilla Vista with no service pack. So if you have either of those, you need to upgrade to the latest service pack if you want to keep getting um, patches for secure, security vulnerabilities and stuff like that. Does this also mean that they have to uh, support IE6 still? Because I don't believe that IE6 was included in any of the service packs. 
Mm. That was sort of I'm sorry, IE7, or I don't think IE7 was in any, in any of those sort of packs. I want to say that IE7 was an SP3 for XP. I'm not positive. I'd have to look that up, but I'm thinking it was part of Service Pack 3. I'm not sure. Let me see if I can find that out. I believe that was still an optional upgrade. Uh, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think so. What were, what were you saying, Ashley? I was just wondering about the support for IE as well, just since I knew that's part of the reason why IE6 was still around was the fact that it you know, came with XP and all that yeah. jazz. Um, it looks like maybe with SP3 it installed IE8, but IE7 remained on the system. Maybe. I don't know. IE7? I don't think 7 was in Service Pack 2. I don't think it, it was. I, I don't know if any of IEs shipped with any of the Service Packs. I could be wrong, but this might be something I have to look up. Uh, let's see. Here's an article. IE7 will not be a part of XP Service Pack 3. Yeah. So maybe not. Yeah. I thought it was, but maybe not. I don't know. I'll have yeah. to dig into that a little bit more, but apparently not. Because that's 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 a that is a maintenance nightmare. Rolling out security patches for that, um, I mean that's more insecure than probably the operating system. Yeah, the browser is always kind of the worst part because that's what you use to get everywhere on the internet. So that's kind of the portal for all the bad stuff to get into your computer. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a Service Pack Four roll up just because of IE six on these old systems, uh, and then. Uh, forcing people to upgrade that that kind of closes that big hole. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about any um, new service pack for XP that I've or at least not that I've heard of that I wouldn't be surprised because I know they do like to do kind of security roll-ups every so often and that's usually the most effective way to do them. So, hopefully there will be more service packs, or especially if they're going to continue to support XP for another ten more years. But right, yeah. I would Until just I'm like dead. I'd I'd just like to see them kill it because if that goes away and everybody start as to where it kind of forces everybody to move to Windows Seven. I mean, I know there's a lot of companies that can't move to Windows Seven at this point because a lot of their core architecture around their systems is built around the architecture of Windows XP, which was largely changed for Vista and in Windows 7. So it's going to be a little tougher for a lot of companies, but it really needs to be something that goes away and soon. It's yeah. just it's such an insecure op operating system, it's got to go away. Yeah, and at the partner conference, that was something that was pushed during um, one of the keynotes was that you know, for the partners, that's a huge business opportunity to get people to get off XP and into 7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 7's... I, I don't see... A lot of businesses, I don't see... If they can move to Windows 7, they should. I mean, in most cases that I've seen, if there's a system that runs XP, it'll run Windows 7. I haven't seen any cases of hardware being so old or so slow that it can't at least run Windows 7 to an extent. 
Um, well, I, I, I do know that um, my mom's work, she works for health system. I mean, they're not upgrading yet. I, they want to because, you know, XP is XP. But they do have some stuff that's so old that they do got to get it upgraded. Yeah, there, there's a lot of old stuff still out there, unfortunately. And old stuff combined with insecure operating systems makes for a very bad combination. Not to mention with Windows 7, the it does a whole lot better on like power saving and stuff like that. So there's certainly a ton of benefits to upgrading to Windows 7. Not to mention with things like the oh, Arrow Snap, I believe it is, that you can this is where you can display two different windows that'll each take up half the screen really quickly. Makes you a whole lot more productive. And it's just prettier. <laughs> yeah, that too. I definitely like the eye candy. But speaking of Windows and eye candy, apparently Windows Phone 7 is going to have mobile me-style remote storage, um, remote wiping capabilities, syncing with um, like your contacts, your calendars, all kinds of stuff to help um, compete with things like the iPhone and make it a little bit more attractive for businesses that especially the ones that are dependent on Windows Mobile 6. I have a newsflash. Um, I have a Windows Mobile device. Uh, it's a Windows Mobile 6, 6.5, and I have all of that. It's called Windows Phone. So I don't know why this is such a big deal that they're having it in 7, um, but I'm just thinking maybe they're just getting more attention Uh but this is feature. These are features that are already in Windows Mobile 6.5. Hmm. And you still have like the support for um, like 25 gigs of storage for SkyDrive and stuff, like Windows Phone 7 is supposed it, to. It's it's only two gigs, but um, oh, is it two gigs or it's only 200 megs actually? It's only 200 megs. Uh, it's not SkyDrive support, but all those other features are included for free. Uh, the syncing of contacts, calendar to do items, uh, find my phone. Uh, you, get, you can let it ring remotely. You can do a remote wipe. All those are available uh, for Windows Mobile already. Hmm. Oh, I guess never having played with a Windows Mobile phone, I guess I didn't realize that. But well, yeah. the SkyDrive um, part, I know that. Because they've, you know, SkyDrive's been out there, and they've also had another similar service, and they're trying to, Microsoft being so huge, trying to roll things into it a little bit, so they don't have repeat of service. It may just, that could be a, one part of it. Mm-hmm. Also, hopefully, they'll have something like uh, what the Ken had, which is basically infinite storage, because uh, everything got sideloaded to the web automatically. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I would certainly like a lot of these features, especially the storage on the web for photos, um, videos, whatever, because I don't, as far as I know, my current BlackBerry doesn't have that. Just where, should something ever happen to my BlackBerry, and it will eventually, because I drop it at least once a day, um, I'll basically be hosed, because all of my contacts, phone numbers, and stuff are on there, and I have no backups or anything, so... Something like this would be really nice for me. That said, I don't know 
when or if there will ever be a Windows Phone 7 device for um, the Sprint Nextel customers like I have to be. Although there is going to be a new Android device for Nextel coming out next week, which I'm kind of excited about, just because it gives me an excuse to finally get off of this stupid BlackBerry. But at the same time, Android 1.5 doesn't make me very happy. Plus, <laughs> there's a couple other issues with it. I hear the camera's kind of grainy and stuff, but having Android 1.5 just with Motorola saying there's no guarantee of any kind of updates or anything does not make me a very happy person. Right. I hear you. Yeah. At least it's something better than the BlackBerry I have, so... It's basically either that, or I think they have they're offering the BlackBerry Bold, which I don't know if I want either. And Ashley, you said you don't have a smartphone. Wait, you have just a flip phone. Uh, not, well, I have an LG Dare through Verizon. Um, oh, okay, so you have a messaging phone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't have. A, I I'm someone who I don't have a physical keyboard, and I'm fine with that. And it was smaller. I just at the time I was like. During the school year, not enough money to pay the data plans, so I couldn't do it quite yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I love having a physical keyboard. That's the one thing I like about my BlackBerry, but otherwise, I'd give anything to get off my BlackBerry. I, mean, I, I don't care much for touchscreen keyboards. I've kind of gotten used to the touchscreen keyboard on my iPod, but... I still like having that tactile feedback as to where I can do things from muscle memory, and you can't well, do that see, with I, a touchscreen. Yeah, with mine, I never actually turn the phone sideways to have the physical QWERTY keyboard. I only use the the um, the autocomplete words with you know just the nine keys. That's I and that I can do with one hand without looking, just because the phone's skinny enough. I can guess where I'm going. Um, but I, one thing I am curious. To use is they've got that swipe keyboard where you can like supposedly type faster. I'm curious to see mm-hmm. that or play with that. Yeah, that that's the one thing that has me still halfway interested in this Motorola i1 that's supposed to come out next week. Because when I was at TechCrunch 50, oh, I guess this is back in 2006 or 2007. I think 2007. That was when they unveiled Skype or the swipe was at TechCrunch 50, and to see how easy and fast that was amazed me. They, as to where I don't know how many words per minute I could type out on my BlackBerry, but these people that had never used the system before, they brought up the judges which had never used it before, and just like within a minute or so, were already <laughs> typing like 30 some words a minute on it, and they they said that. They've had people that get up to like sixty words a minute at, with some practice on using with using swipe. So yeah, it's certainly something mind. I want to play with. Yeah, that blows my mind on a mobile device just because I can never imagine you know typing that fast. Yeah, that swipe is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome because um, they have it for Windows Mobile six five, which is a device I have. Um, the only thing is I'm a horrible speller, so unless you are an excellent speller, I would not suggest using swipe. Because you have to hit all the keys with all the right letters, of course. So does that not have a good um, spelling uh, spell check? There is no spell check because let's say if you're typing run and you go really quickly over the R, the U, the N, 
it 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 sees what keys you went over and then types that word. If you mistype it, it can't. Its predictive engine doesn't work at mm. all. Okay, that's not good because I can't spell either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things I can't spell, but usually I avoid those words when I'm on my BlackBerry. I, although I do get tripped up just because my BlackBerry has a tendency of if there's two different words that match the same um, number of the same key presses, it'll usually give me the word that I don't want. As to where I have to com- go to completely erase the word, then it'll give me the word that I do want if I type it again. So, like, the words C and R, I think, are ones that if I type them on my BlackBerry, it'll be one or the other, and half the time it's not the one that I really want to use. That's just one of my big annoyances with my BlackBerry. Although I think that's largely a consequence of having two letters on each key. But yeah, I hate BlackBerry, but go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Windows Phone 7, apparently Microsoft is paying cash to help prop up the app catalog for launch. This is smart on their part. I mean, there's the I think that was one of the things that killed uh killed the Palm Pre was uh or in WebOS is because they didn't have enough developer support um and uh, when they launched, their store was practically empty. Well, and at the same time with Palm Pre, the SDK was a piece of junk from what I've been told in the phone, and it couldn't take advantage of the power of the phone. Yeah, but if it was if the App Store was full, I bet they would still be successful. Yeah, it certainly would have helped. What did they have when they launched, like a dozen apps or something like that? If that, yeah, if that. What Microsoft really needs to do here with their app catalog, they need to actually author their own applications for once, um, make their own Facebook app or something like that. They already make apps for Bing. Uh, they should just, you know, get their hands uh, in there a little bit and be the 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 shining star or the the big example of how to do it right. And they need to champion that. That I would surprised to see happen just after being at the partner conference for the past few years because they really, really rely on their partners for making them their their cash. I mean, I, I, I swear last year when I was there, they said something like 90% of the fun or the income for Microsoft comes from their partners. And um, and I know for I, I went to a session for healthcare in the U.S. and they were talking about how they've got ideas and stuff, but it's really the partners, and I assume they take that same approach um, to the phone. Because um, I, I was I sat in on a little demonstration at their booth for the Windows Phone, and I was kind of asking. They were like, you know, and here's our photos thing, and I was like, where's Flickr? I mean, yeah, Facebook has the number one is like the number one online photo stuff, but Flickr is also huge. And they're like, well, the partners will you know develop that plugin. Um, so yeah, I'd be surprised to see Microsoft do. They've got some stuff that's integrated, but other than that, they are really hoping. They're, you know, developers are going to be getting stuff out. Yeah, that's kind of the um, feel that I've always had from going to any Microsoft event, whether it's something like a PDC or a Mix, or I go to, a, they have local events, I don't know, maybe once a year or more, where 
like if they're launching a major product like a Windows 7 or Office or Visual Studio, something like that, usually in like Denver or something, they'll have uh, meetings at like a movie theater or whatever to show off different, um, just the new technologies, and then they make it focused towards developers so that they can say, like when I went to their kind of like little local launch demonstration for developer thing for Windows 7, they were showing how to take advantage of like different sensors, how to do the um, different things with the taskbar, like the arrow peak and the jump lists and stuff like that, and how to take advantage of those. And it seemed like they've always just been about, here's the tools, here's how to use them, here's some code examples, now go do something cool with it. It seems like they just want to work on the core products and the developer tools, and that's as far as they really are willing to go, and then they want the developers to go do their own thing with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree they should do that. They should support developers. They should make sure developers have all the tools they need and want. Uh, they, they should make themselves available to support developers. But if you look at some of the, the quote-unquote tech, cool technology uh, Microsoft has made, and they've given to developers, and developers haven't done anything with, and they've flopped and failed because Microsoft hasn't used them to their advantage. Um, the sidebar widgets. Microsoft didn't make any really good ones. The sidebar widgets kind of failed. Uh, do you remember uh, uh, Sideshow? There's supposed to be a whole bunch of Sideshow devices when Zista came out. Where are those? They're dead because Microsoft <laughs> doesn't even make any. Uh, if you look at Silverlight, Silverlight, one of the core products that's going to be in Phone 7. Microsoft doesn't make any core products that allow people to use that and 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 for other people to champion and say, you know what, Microsoft does that cool thing, let's do something like that and surpass them. They need to come out with some kick-butt software that shows the power of their technology. And, and they need to release that for consumer use. And I think in order for developers to get excited to use the technology, they need good examples out there. And uh, helping developers do what they want is good, but um, Microsoft needs to show some imagination and some creativity on their own part, their own part and side to, to champion their own technologies. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I, I just do think they have such a you know relationship with the partners that you have to be really careful about stepping on toes. Yeah, that that's the one thing I've kind of noticed. It's like there's so many people doing so many different things out there we that they don't really want to step on a lot of toes. There was when Microsoft started putting a firewall in their operating system, I believe, with XP, and that stepped on a lot of toes of people that had their own little third-party firewalls, like a zone alarm and stuff. Then when Microsoft released their own free antivirus, the major antivirus players all got up in arms because mm-hmm. here they are trying to sell $60 a year subscriptions to their antivirus, and and Microsoft is doing it for free. So and the same thing with cloud. I mean, that's coming out, and I know some you know hosting services are kind of like, well, what do you, what about our, what are we supposed to do when you're doing that? Right. But Microsoft yeah. is still no worse for wear for releasing those two products. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a case of they have to really carefully pick their battles. I think there's some areas that they could probably go into and it wouldn't be too big a deal. Others, that if they tried to go in there, it would step on way too many toes and cause more problems than it would um, create money for them. But yeah, in the case of the Windows Phone 7, it seems like they're doing what they can to maybe like poach some developers from the iPhone and Android by saying, hey, here's some uh, software to create apps, here's some test phones, which apparently started going out today, and I still have yet to hear anything on whether I'm going to get one. I've applied for one, I'm hopeful, but I don't know. And apparently they're also going to offer some marketing and minimum revenue guarantees, so if apps don't start out doing as well as they're projected to do, they're going to give the developers money to make up for that so that developers won't lose so much money by spending all this time developing something and have it turn out to be a big flop. Yeah, well, uh, I, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to see where I can apply for this just so I can have some kind of a guarantee of revenue. I wish I would have had that when I released Master Memo for the Android operating system because it took me several, a couple of months just to earn my $20 Android developer fee back. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but speaking of smartphones, apparently there's now going to be free bumpers for all the iPhone 4 owners. I've heard a lot of press cover this, but I still don't understand how people are supposed to be getting their bumpers. Is there a web form to fill out? Are they just sending them and mailing them to everybody who ever bought an iPhone 4? How are these ex exactly how are these bumpers going to be distributed? I think you might have to go into an Apple store to get them, but I'm not sure. Or maybe they do something online, but I think you probably have to take your phone or a receipt or something like that into an Apple store and say hey, here's my iPhone, I don't have a case, please give me a case, or, oh, here, I have a bumper already, refund my money. Which, $30 for their little bumper seemed to be insane anyways. So I can go to, I can go to one Apple store and say, hey, I have an iPhone 4, I want a free case. They give me a free case, and I go to the next uh, iPhone store and say, hey, I paid for this bumper, gave my $30 back? Uh... You might be able to try that. I'm not sure how that would work if they have maybe a database of everybody they've given bumpers to and whatever, but that would be worth a try. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I heard that as of today they took sales offline for the bumpers so that they could give them away for free. I haven't heard yet if they've started doing that, though. I don't know, it, it, it seems like this is just kind of Apple's way of saying, okay, we want the bad press to go away. There's been too much about this problem when our numbers, as far as like return phones and complaints and stuff, don't seem to really justify all the bad press that they're getting. So they're giving all these free bumpers away just to hope that the bad press goes away. Yeah, well, or at least that I, I have was, an iPhone. At least that was 
the impression that I got from watching the live blogs of their press conference on Friday. I have uh, no way of. I don't know. I, I think people are, are are getting what they deserve by <laughs> buying Apple products. I'm sorry, I have no no remorse for those people. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I guess if you have money to buy an Apple product, you've got an extra thirty bucks to waste on a bumper. That, so. and if you're having problems with your phone, return it and get something that works. Yeah, well, on a lot of places I've seen, oh, a piece of scotch tape fixes the problem or whatever. So it, it seems like there's a lot of complaining when you can do something to fix it. And yeah, I, I would say that Apple probably shouldn't have let it out the door the way it is, but it is the way it is, so spend five cents, get a roll of, get a strip of tape or whatever and put it over the little black bar on the side. Yeah, not, well, let, like let's see if uh, this problem goes away as in it leaves the press like they want. I'm not sure if this is entirely over just yet. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's not, but I don't, I don't know. that. Just a little bit ago, I saw a, a headline on Yahoo about something just the headline was like something to the effect of despite the free bumpers that sparks a whole new debate with Apple and I know they spent I don't know how long on Twit yesterday discussing it and all of its implications and everything which if you're really interested in, in the iPhone 4 the free bumpers and the whole press conference and everything I recommend everybody go listen to this week's Twit Yes. After you listen to this show, of course. Right. And make sure you listen to that twit using authorized means of distribution. Yeah. Speaking of which, I noticed is um I know Ashley you have a Zoom, right? Um, I do, but but not the H D one. It's I missed my things packed from college currently, but I do have one. <laughs> Well, with the Zoom, have you noticed any issues over the past week or so about some podcasts not updating? No, I haven't, because I haven't, with me being at the conference and stuff, I haven't really opened it. Okay. Just checking, because over the past week I've noticed like there's two of my podcasts that haven't updated and downloaded the latest shows, like This Week in Channel 9 and Cranky Geeks. For some reason, I'm not getting the latest ones of either of those shows, so I had to go and download them manually, which is very annoying. Yeah. But, yeah, other, otherwise I I never have any issues with the Zoom software. But, anyway, enough Microsoft, Apple, mobile phone type news. Let's talk about our favorite topic here on Global Geek News, piracy. Our Because apparently there's going to be thousands of BitTorrent users being sued in the U.S., Thanks to the U.S. Copyright Group, the story that we've covered for probably months now. Yeah, that's what they're doing is they're they're uh, launching a easy to use uh, settlement site so that when, once it's rolled out, 
um, and you choose to settle with the RAAA, um, you can go there and just pay pay your settlement charge and be done with them. Yeah, apparently this is the same this is the same group that's filing all the lawsuits for anybody that downloaded the Hurt Locker or um, uh, Far Cry the movie, not the game. And so apparently up until now it's just been assumed by everybody that well they can't possibly manage all of these thousands of court cases. I mean, I think they've already filed to get the names of 5,000 alleged file shares. There's no way this one little law firm can handle 5,000 separate cases. So everyone just assumed that this is all a big scam that says, okay, pay us $1,500, $2,500 and we'll leave you alone. But everybody's just assumed that, okay, if we say no, there's no teeth behind this, they're not going to do anything. Well, now they've gone out and hired 15 other law firms across the country so that when people say, no, we're not going to pay you, they've got other law firms that can now go to wherever, whatever jurisdiction they need to and actually file these lawsuits and try and get money out of these people. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be hard to... For it's they're they're really smart. These lawyers are, um, and uh, sounds like as long as I mean you could always pay for more manpower, um, but uh, it looks like they're they're going to the extreme, and they have no uh, inklings of slowing down either. It seems like if anything they're accelerating. So, um, I, I I wonder if their efforts is is if it's worth for worth it for them to go through this much trouble. But apparently, they feel that this is going to be a major uh, quill in their hat to making sure that uh, they get justice for their client. Well, apparently, they're supposed to be um, releasing a new, a whole new round of lawsuits in the next couple of weeks. But apparently, the this law firm, this U.S. copyright group, and the fifteen other law firms that they've hired, apparently get to keep seventy percent of whatever money they get from people that pirate the movies, whether it's the people that pay the fifteen or $2,500, or they take them to court and try and get $150,000 out of them. So it's definitely the lawyers that are making the money here, which is kind of proven by our next story, which is the fact that the RIAA spent tens of millions of dollars on lawsuits only to get hundreds of thousands of dollars back in settlements. Yeah, um, but also this doesn't measure um, the price of deterrence. Like, how many people actually became from moved from being pirates to legitimate customers? That could be accounted for, also. Yeah, considering sales are still down and they're not really growing at any major rate, even with um, digital downloads. I, I know those are growing to an extent, but not at the rate of decline of DVD sales and stuff. I really don't think that there's a whole lot, a very big number of people that are saying, okay, the, I don't want to risk getting sued, so I'm actually going to go out and buy it or use Netflix or whatever. I think it's a case of people saying, okay, there's a, there's a chance that I might get sued for this, so I'm just going to cover my tracks a little bit better. Or at least that was 
just what I did. Right. Ashley, what about you? Sorry, I had someone walk in my room, so I missed the very end of that. <laughs> Do you uh, pirate at all? No, I... Um, in high school, there was a couple things that I had gotten that I wasn't able to get by other means. Um, partly because of lack of funds. Um, more just because it's not... It wasn't widely available. Um, but once I got to college, I stopped, especially once I started um, having a little a little bit of an income. I've, I've never been one to buy much music or movies, but I am a huge fan of online streaming. Okay. Yeah, I, I do a, a fair bit with online streaming and stuff. I listen to, like, Pandora and stuff, and I've honestly pretty, I've pretty much quit do, pirating music entirely, uh, unless it's something that I can't get here in the States because it's a European group that I like or something like that, and they don't want to release the album until, like, here and for, like, another year or something stupid, then I'll pirate. But otherwise, I've gotten to the point where I don't pirate music at all. It's strictly TV shows and the occasional pieces of um, really expensive um, software or something like that just because I think paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars for... Uh, something like a Photoshop or whatever is insane when they're when I'm not really doing anything with it, but I want to edit one image every six months or something. Yeah, yeah. Music I have, I guess the, the means I've mostly got my music is through friends, and then if I listen to it enough, basically if I know words to songs, I'm like, oh, I need to buy this because I've listened to enough to know words because I don't normally know words. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting oh. to get. To the point where I'm really considering a Zoom pass. I mean, $15 a month for an unlimited amount of music. But at the same time, I I feel like I, I want to have... I don't want to lose all my music if I was to stop paying for the Zoom pass. Yeah, I, I don't listen to music. Uh, I'm not much of a pirate. Because, once again... I usually use it for uh, TV shows, but now that Hulu's out, um, all the shows that I would miss, I can catch on Hulu. Um, so, I, I, same with Ashley, because I now have access to things that I didn't have access before legitimately. Um, I see, see no need in it. Um, but I, uh, I think uh, being sued as a deterrent is actually um, the people who only really know about the possibility of getting sued for pirating are the pirates who are extremely educated. Some people pirate without even knowing that they're pirating. They're like, oh, I found this site where you can download any music you want or any video you want or any movie you want. Um, and, and I think those people are just so ignorant they don't realize that it's pirating. But it's not just ignorant. Sorry, it's, it's not just ignorant. My, my brother ran into that when he, he's um, seven years younger than I am and um, my dad all of a sudden, my dad knows nothing about how um, peer-to-peer networks work and they got like notice from Verizon saying you need to stop doing this and my brother was like oh I, you know, I, got, I never even watched that he like literally was one of the things he like hadn't even watched he just like downloaded I don't want to watch that delete and it was something that we've gotten you know cease and desist but his is they got those sites out there where you can just download whatever and like he had no concept of copyright type stuff and how that affected companies and stuff well that's why I think we need to um, 
kind of redo the whole DMCA and make it a lot more like what countries like Spain have, where it's a case of as long as it's for personal use, you can download it or whatever. But when you get to the point where it's for commercial use, then you have to pay for license for stuff, which that's something I'm totally fine with. If it's if I'm tr- doing something to try and make money off it, sure, I'll gladly pay a license fee or whatever. But if it's just for my own use, just so I don't have to put up with all the advertising and stuff, I don't want to have to pay for it. And I'm also cheap, so... But yeah, well, I guess we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, but it it amazes me how much the RIAA has spent on these lawsuits over the years, and how little they've gotten back. Which now it makes sense why they've stopped suing people because the only people that were getting rich was the lawyers with millions of dollars. Yeah, and none of it went to the artists. Yeah, I I, don't, I know I've seen some stories in the past of like these settlements and stuff and there was like not a dollar of it went to artists and stuff it all goes to either the lawyers or the RIAA but yeah there was apparently in 2000 and uh, what is it 7 apparently the RIAA spent over 17 and a half million dollars on lawsuits only to get back less than $400,000 in settlements and this is pretty much the same case for several years, although some years were worse than others where they spent more on legal fees and stuff than, or far more on legal fees than they brought in. Yeah, that's just indecent. Well, it, it kind of makes you understand why the music industry is in the position that it's in, because you have this group that basically runs the show, and... They can't even realize that they're spending tens of millions of dollars on lawyers only to get back a couple hundred thousand dollars. For them to take years to figure that out is kind of sad. Yeah. It, it, they, they, it's a waste of money. Uh, it's a fail policy, and um, I think... Uh, going around about this route is just a case of it's the right thing to do uh, in their perspective and not necessarily if it is practical or effective. Yeah. Oh, wow. We're running a little bit late with the show. So on with the next story. Apparently the court says that FCC's indecency policy violates the First Amendment. Which, I don't know, I... After, even after reading all this, I can't say I necessarily understand the whole indecency policy that the FCC has, other than you can't use certain curse words on TV. Yeah, from reading this through, I didn't understand it exactly either. Either it means that we might have some cursing in the 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. block, or um, the FCC is going to rewrite their rules so they have a strict criteria and basically a formula where they, you can plug in a word and you can tell whether or not it's, um, it's restricted or not. Um, so I don't know, having some sort of weighted scale to what's lewd, what's ex- what's explicit, and uh, what's offensive, um, they, they need to have some sort of uh, calculation in which to make it you know, more formulaic. 
So uh, it's clear to them, and it's clear to the broad, uh, the 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 pr- producers of this content on on uh, on television um, whether or not it's something that's restricted or not. Yeah, it, apparently the way the policy is now, it's just so vague that a lot of um, companies, a lot of media companies aren't 100% sure what they can say, what they can't, as to where they almost kind of have to push the envelope all the time just to see, okay, is this word in this situation something that we can use on TV, or is it something that we're going to get fined for? And they give all kinds of different examples and stuff, like with Saving Private Ryan. I know a few years back that they had that, they played it, like unedited or whatever on ABC, cuss words and everything, but they let all that stuff slide because apparently it was about making it more real for the film and whatever. Yet there's other right. things that they won't do that for. Right? It, they, there seems to be no consistency. Right, and I'm sure a lot of us remember the full frontal nudity that used to be on the Nature Channel, uh, or or, or uh, on nature on PBS, uh, depending on uh, what they're doing, like some sort of uh, some African tribe or something like that, and you would see f- full frontal nudity. That would that was allowed also for because ed- it was seen as an educational program. So it, it seems like it. This is it's very uh, context sensitive of what they allow and what they don't. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd like to see something that a policy that's a little easier to follow and they give all kinds of examples here in the story none of which I'm going to repeat just because of the fact that this is a PG show and I don't want to have to put an explicit tag on this show so I mean there's all kinds of different examples of it's like okay you can say this but you can't say this and apparently this whole thing is over fleeting expletives, and I guess the Supreme... I know the Supreme Court, I think it was last year, threw it back to this lower court about saying that the fact that, yes, the FCC has the right to do this, and essentially they have the right to do and say whatever they want, essentially is what they said, but they didn't rule on the First Amendment issue here, and that's what this lower Second Circuit Court is saying, is that this is a violation of the first, the free speech part of the First Amendment. So I've got a feeling that this is now going to go back to the Supreme Court and hopefully be ruled on there as far as free speech goes. And then, and that I'm kind of curious to see where they rule on that, especially after they said the FCC could basically do whatever they want. Yeah, this could funda- fundamentally change the face of television as we know it. Um, not only in programming, but in advertisement also. Uh, uh, because this would affect what language people use in, in ads, which are repetitive and uh, which can, can as, a, as a whole, get more exposure to more of the audience. Yeah, I know. Like I've seen ads like, from over in the UK and stuff, where, like, nudity is a common thing in ads. Over here, I can't even imagine the size of the fine you'd get if you tried to pass something like that off. 
assuming you could even get it on TV in the first place. But, yeah, one of the things that they really kind of have to take into effect here, or into account here, is that a lot of, that TV isn't as important as it used to be. It used to be, yeah, there's these certain personalities that you watch, everybody watches them, so they kind of had to have a real high standard of what they can say, what they can't say, just because it would have such a an effect on everybody in the country because everybody watches these people like late night hosts and whatnot. And um, then you couldn't really get away with a lot of this stuff because children could be watching whatever. But now with the internet, a lot of people are going to the internet for their content and the internet free speech is pretty much the primary tenant of the internet and that you can do or say whatever you want, no matter how offensive or whatever. So it's not like people aren't, being exposed to this stuff. Yeah. Um, this is the, you know, a little bit of the nanny culture. Um, it, it, at one time, I do believe that standards needed to be um, held, in, uh, held pretty high. But as the country matures, as each generation matures... Um, like rock and roll was prohibited. I mean, was a taboo, um, and I, I think sex and violence are, are, is entering that territory for our generation. Yeah. Well, speaking of people who are being silenced, apparently the U.S. authorities have shut down a WordPress host with over seventy-three thousand blogs, supposedly just because of some video. Sharing sites such as TVShack.net, MovieLinks.tv, FilesPump.com, NowMovies.com, PlanetMovies.com, ThePirateCity.org, ZML.com, NinjaVideo.net, and NinjaThis.net. But not the Pirate Bay. Not yet, but from the way this sounds, that's still coming. Apparently, I'm not it, sure... How, low, how lethal all this is. Well, apparently, from my understanding, is they the U.S. government seized the domains for these sites, took down this WordPress host that hosts some 73,000 blogs, which, if you're going to be a massive... I don't even see the purpose of being a massive host like that when you can do WordPress.com anyway, or host it yourself, whatever. But apparently they took down the server... And now nobody is saying anything to the guy that owned this WordPress site. And the host that he's had is basically saying, we can't say anything. And he, and he has other issues to worry about than getting his server back online. Yeah, I've got a feeling that this guy may be in for some trouble, but I don't know. I'm kind of surprised at how tight-lipped the IS his um, host is this BurstNet, which after seeing this, I'll never do business with BurstNet. Yeah, well, as I said, I don't think I don't see how this could even be legal. If he had a site that depicted him murdering another human being, um, I don't still don't think the the government would have the right to take it down um, because it's and in itself. Uh, is is showing an illegal offensive activity um, they can charge him but as in taking ownership of a domain 
I'm not sure how legal that is. Well, I don't know. I, I'm kind of curious to... I wish they would give more details as to why it's being taken down if it's if it is strictly because of these sites that are sharing movies or linking to movies or whatever, or if there could be like kitty porn or something on there. And if it was something like that, I could understand a little bit better, but to take down all these tens of thousands of site with the one person that, that seems to be a bit overkill because now all the people that have these 73,000 WordPress blogs they have no access to their content. They can't get it back. And it's basically one big poster child for why you should back up your data even <laughs> if it's online. <laughs> Just not on the site. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's why I have all of my blogs set to email me a copy of the database and stuff at least once a week. That way I always have a current version of something... Should something ever happen? Ashley, do you have a blog? Yeah, I do. What would you do if, if some day that or you just log in and it was just totally gone, um, and the government just took it? Uh, not that would be quite appalling. I mean, um, I, I do have mine hosted. It's not through WordPress.com. I do buy my own hosting, but um, that would make no sense to me since my content legal as far as i see and of course one of the you know one of the 73,000 blogs could be in your position you could think that you're 100% legal but you get wrapped up in this mess somehow and yeah same n- server no explanation. yeah no explanation no recourse um, and you're just off the web yeah, I, I, with this case, I'm definitely, I mean, there's not too much detail other than the movie linking, and it seems quite extreme for just movie linking. Mm-hmm. Linking, and not hosting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if this could be some kind of an affiliate scheme or whatever, because just looking at the response from the ISP saying that it was the bn.affiliateplex.com server that was taken offline... So I'm wondering if maybe this is some kind of an affiliate scam that maybe the guy was running, or just based on that server name, that would be my guess as to what's going on. Or maybe the the hosting company, they fried the server on accident, and they're like, oh, uh, the government took it offline. Sorry, we can't give you any information. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. I would think that the host would have some kind of liability to the customer to say here's why they had to remove the server immediately for law enforcement reasons and apparently law enforcement is really tight-lipped about it also not saying anything I don't know if I was this guy I'd find a new country to live in right away yeah this this infuriates me because it seems so draconian and illegal um, I hope they sue the government and win because there's no way you can just take off someone's blog. Even if you're not even hosting illegal content and just linking to it, how is that illegal at all? And one, how is there? How is this the first step? <laughs> and and the first step is to shut them down. Yeah, this is wrong. Yeah, apparently the guy had always 
been one to comply with DMCA takedown requests and everything. So you got to think that there's got to be something bigger going on here. But, yeah, hopefully we'll find out more next week. Yeah, I, I hope so because the way it is right now, there's just there's not a whole lot there. Just a lot of speculation more than anything as to where all it does is make the U.S. government look like they're going way too far for this, especially when we don't know what the reason is. But anyway, that would be all the stories, and we are running a little on the really late side. So go ahead and hit the tips of the week, starting with apparently you can get a free year of Amazon Prime if you have a .edu email address. Unfortunately, my school does not have that, so I can't take part in this, plus I'm already an Amazon Prime member anyway, so I don't know if it would work. But apparently if you have a .edu email address and are looking to get Amazon Prime, you can get a free year of it, thanks to whatever deal that Amazon's come up with, which I don't know if either of you use Amazon Prime, but I find it to be extremely worth it when you get unlimited free two-day shipping on pretty much everything, as long as Amazon sells it and it's not some third party, or you get um, one-day shipping for $4 per item, again, assuming it's something that Amazon sells. And there's no minimum on order size or anything. And I, I, with as much stuff as I order off of Amazon, I find it to be worth the uh, 80 bucks a year, whatever it is that I pay for it. Especially when, especially when you get large ticket items like TVs and stuff, and you want it shipped overnight. That makes it really nice. But if you want to join in on that program, you can check out the. Link in the show notes for all the details, which, of course, you can find all of our stories and everything at globalgeeknews.com. Kind of forgot to mention that before, but that's where you can find all the stories, all the tips of the week and everything. Um, Next tip of the week is four tips to help you stay focused on your blog. From everything from focusing on core activities to monetizing, setting milestones, um, interesting... uh, blog post read, especially if you're a blogger and have a hard time staying focused, keeping on track, which is something I struggle with a lot of the time. And finally, how to take full advantage of your solid state drive. Uh, Essentially, if you're on Windows 7, there's not a whole lot that you have to do. That's one of the nice things about Windows 7 is it kind of recognizes you have a solid state drive and it disables things like indexing, defragging and all that stuff by default so it doesn't waste the life of your drive and doesn't slow it down or anything. But especially if you're on older operating systems like XP or Vista or whatever, there's a number of things that you need to do to help optimize the, the drive both for performance and the lifetime of the drive, like disabling defragging and indexing and stuff like that. So if you're if you have a solid-state drive, or you're about to get one, or whatever, this is definitely a guide you want to check out, as it will help tremendously. If you have if you have the solid-state drive on Windows 7, there's really nothing you need to do. Another reason why I love Windows 7. Anyway, that would be all of our tips of the week, which, like I said, you can find all of those at globalgeeknews.com. 
Um, uh, excuse me here. One second. Got to get a drink here. My, whenever we get to about this part in the, sh- the show, or if the show goes this long, my voice really starts to go. Ah, much better. Anyway, all that stuff at globalgeeknews.com. And as I mentioned on Twitter, before I get to anything else here, um, we will have a huge guest next, next week, probably our biggest guest that we've ever had, or at least since I had iJustine on the show. We are going to have the podfather, Adam Curry, on the show next week. Something I am extremely excited about. He's also the creator of the big app show on the iPhone, for those that you that have seen that, which I would assume would be most of you, because I did a blog post about it last Monday, which was a rather popular blog post. But anyway, he will be on the show next week, so don't forget to check back next week, as that should be a great show. And uh, Anyway, I wanted to thank Ashley for coming on the show today. Where can everybody find you at, Ashley? Oh. Hello? Sorry. <laughs> oh. Where can everybody find you at so they can keep track of you? Um, definitely on Twitter. I'm Organized Fish without a D. Um, and also my website, organizedfish.com slash blog. Yeah, did you do a lot of blogging from the WPC? Part- yeah. Um, I have three blog posts up currently. Um, and I might be getting another one up, um, possibly some more based on just talking about the experience that I had with the other students, which I still am totally pumped about. Cool. I definitely look forward to checking those out. I know, I know I read some of the earlier stuff, but yeah, everybody should definitely go check those out at organizefish.com. And, of course, you can always follow Global Geek News, which is at Global Geek News on Twitter. Or you can follow me. I am at PCNerd37, which is essentially all the at Global Geek News content, plus more personal stuff, rants about whatever, like tonight being why Comcast, why I hate Comcast, and probably why Comcast hates me. Um, don't forget, you can also follow Wesley on Twitter, who's Wesley83. You can find out about all of his bumper car experiences, <laughs> as well as what's the? Do you have a specific URL for your blog? I noticed that the layout got a nice update last week. Uh, the you can find the link to my blog on my Twitter profile at yeah, Wesley83 on Twitter, or you can go directly to the blog Wesley83.postress.com. Um, also, the newest, one of my newest posts is uh, a sign-up for the newsletter for my new company that I will be launching in about a month and a half. Ooh, I didn't. I must have missed that post. I'll have to go sign up for that. Yeah, so uh, that's the, all the news that I have on my side. Yeah, that's good to hear. Can't wait to hear more about your startup. Are you house... I know you said you're planning on launching it in like a month and a half. Is that when you're starting to releasing more details on it? Uh, I'll be releasing more details in the first newsletter, which will be going out in the middle of this week. Can't wait to check it out. Everybody should definitely go check that out. Wesley83 at posterous.com is where that post will be. And 
I think that's pretty much everything. Don't forget to check out uh, uh, globalgeeknews.com and don't forget, you can always get Global Geek News merchandise at the Global Geek News store, which you can find at the link at the top of the page. As well, you can always donate to the show. We always appreciate donations. Again, anything over $100 would get you a free t-shirt. And anyway, I guess that is all we have for this week. We will see you guys next week when we have Adam Curry on. Later. Later.